Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coach, where we discuss college opportunities and cultivating habits. I'm Avalon. I'm Katie. And we are your academic peer coaches. Today's episode is a fun one that we've been looking forward to for a while because it's a chance for us to engage with our listeners. During the block party earlier this semester, we asked students to fill out a survey and write down questions that they would like us to answer on our podcast. Some students didn't think that we were actually going to do it, but here we are, ready to answer your hard-hitting questions. For each question, we will have each coach answer what advice they would give to the student. And our first student question is, do you have time management tips specifically for college life? That's a good question. So my first advice probably is to take the time to slow down and really look at the week. You can choose a day such as Sunday or Monday and look at the week ahead of you and plan what is the most important for you to accomplish, such as a big exam coming up or a specific project. Maybe you just need to remember to schedule in relaxation time or maybe you need to schedule in lunch and dinner. So just taking the time to schedule in the most important things. My favorite tip to give to students is to figure out which type of planner or planning tool works best for you. Some people enjoy using Google calendars or physical calendar. I prefer a weekly calendar or a weekly planner so I don't have to go too far ahead. But my partner does to-do lists because he doesn't very much like calendars or scheduling things out. So I think one of the best tips or things to figure out early on in college is which tool works best for you. And that can help you tremendously when you're figuring out how to manage your time. I really love that, Katie. Our next question from a student is, how can I manage my time when switching majors? So how I'm interpreting this question is the student is taking classes in the middle of the semester and they want to switch their major so they're stuck with classes that may not necessarily help with their major that they're planning on taking at least that's how I'm taking it but my advice is to still do your best in those classes you can always find something to learn something new to use in your toolbox or these upcoming classes that you will use in your major when you're a deep learner you can find connections everywhere let's say a student is taking classes for a major in history, but rather they're hoping to switch to biology. You can still take quite a bit out of these classes. You can learn about connections between people. You can find underlying themes. And it really can be up to you to kind of create like a sort of game, figuring out, okay, how can I connect this to what I'm hoping to learn? And you can kind of draw out those underlying themes and apply them in the future. That would be my advice to these students. And ultimately, You're still learning time management. You're still learning how to effectively take notes and to be a successful student, even if these classes may be unrelated to the major you're hoping to switch to. I love that. As I'm reading this question, something that comes to my mind is a friend who just didn't know what she wanted to do, so she switched her major five times. That could be also what you're asking is, how can I manage my time when switching majors in the sense of not switching it as much? What I think about that topic, if that's what we're asking, is the idea of when you're taking your generals, take a wide variety and ask yourself during your classes and at the end of the classes, what did I enjoy and what did I not enjoy? And then continue doing that as you go throughout your college degree. If you do this, just asking and doing self-reflecting, you'll be able to identify a little faster which classes you enjoy and which ones you don't. So that's what I would recommend. On a somewhat related note, our next question is, do you have tips on overcoming chronic procrastination? That's me. I'm kidding. Um, Chronic procrastination, I feel like we all have procrastination in our blood because we all want to push off the things that are hard. 
So my tips for overcoming chronic procrastination boils down to the five-minute rule. It's the idea of choosing the hardest or the least exciting topic or assignment that you need to work on and setting a five-minute timer and just starting it. Often what happens with us is we struggle to get started, but once we have, once we're going and we see how to move forward, we start to get more excited about the material. And if anything else, then you did a five-minute timer and you've got five minutes of it done. And so got five minutes done. So it's nice. At some point in the semester, usually around midterms, I end up feeling this complete burnout and I find myself, okay, I guess I can let this assignment slip or I guess I can let this other exam go a little bit lower than I wanted. I find that if I am experiencing procrastination, I'll look at my calendar to see if there's a day where I can just set aside to do nothing. I think a lot of us need to just have a complete restart on our brain. And if we have a planned day, we're like, okay, I'm not going to worry about homework here. I'm just going to focus on being well, whether that's hanging out with friends, laying in bed, that's what I like to do, or even just, you know, just reconnecting with things that help you to be mentally, physically, academically well. And then after that day, I feel a sort of like rejuvenation and I feel motivation to get back going, kind of like just a little mini vacation for your brain. Because if you're experiencing procrastination, there might be something underlying that you might need to address with relaxation techniques. Just a thought. That's really neat, Katie. I was definitely inspired by that idea. It's almost like we need to take the time to remember why we like school. And sometimes you have to take a step back and actually do nothing for a little bit. I like that. So the next question that we have is, how can we prevent bad habits in the first place? I think this is a tricky question because I feel like no matter what we do, we can always nitpick what we're doing as students like oh I could have paid attention to this lecture a little bit more or I should have been taking my notes like Avalon her notes look so pretty but my notes look like a trash mess so there's always things that you could do better and if you label it as a bad habit it might I don't know get you down but if there are things that you know you are prone to do like when you're coming back to school after a break you recognize that over time you tend to let your notes get really bad and messy and you don't end up understanding what they are by the time exam season is happening. It's good to, before every class, recognize, hey, I'm going to put the time and effort into making sure my notes look good. And just keeping that in mind, knowing yourself and reconnecting with your values as a student might be a good way to help prevent these bad habits. Yeah, I really like that. Something that stood out to me that you said, Katie, was labeling something as a bad habit can be detrimental. Something I like to think of is labeling things as beneficial or detrimental or something that brings peace and doesn't. For example, yesterday I decided that today I'm not going to look at Instagram or Facebook and just see how I feel. At the end of the day, I could say, okay, that action brought peace to not look at Instagram. It's a similar process with other habits that we may have. We just can self-reflect and say, This is a tradition that my family has. Is it beneficial? Is it detrimental to me? Or is this habit with school beneficial, detrimental in the sense of, is it helping me get where I want to go? Because everyone wants to get somewhere, but it may look different for each person. So something that may be beneficial for you may be detrimental to another person. So just take the time to self-reflect and be intentional. I think that kind of sums it up. I think that's a really wholesome thing for all of us to keep in mind as we continue throughout our academic career. I really like that, Avalon. Our next question focuses more on to-do lists. A student asked, is it best to prioritize in a physical list or a mental one? 
oh, I am 100% a physical list person. There's something so therapeutic about crossing off a list. So that's my answer. Prioritize on a physical list. I think it's good to write it out and put it in the world somewhere other than just your brain, whether it's on a Microsoft Word doc, a Google doc, somewhere that you actually write it down. It doesn't need to necessarily be on paper just so you can hold yourself accountable because you might not know when your mind slips and you tend to forget something. So that's just our general advice. Get it out in the world somewhere, somehow. I love that, Katie. It's a very good way to put it out there. Our question here now is, how does one deal with being scared about not knowing what's on a test? If you are feeling comfortable, the best way to kind of get over this is asking questions. You can either reach out to your professor, you can reach out to peers sitting next to you. Even if you're on an online class, I've sent several Canvas inbox messages like, hey, do you know what's happening in this class? More likely than not, people are on the same page as you. And if the professor recognizes that you don't know what's going on in the test, they might be willing to offer a study guide. They may offer more resources or materials or even give you some advice that you can take for the test. That would be my advice. I really like that. I like how you talked about asking. That's the biggest thing. If you're wondering about what's on the test, go ask the professor. It's not often that a professor will be like, sorry, I can't tell you what's on the exam. They'll probably say, oh, yeah, study for this or this. Sometimes professors will even give you like very specific questions to go study. So definitely go ask. And if you're really scared about tests, take one test I was really scared for. I looked up a 10 minute test meditation and that helped a lot. So take some time to breathe and do meditation maybe. But more importantly, go ask. Our next question focuses more on study skills. A student asked, how can I make reading a textbook fun? For me, it's colors. Buying your textbook gives you the freedom to write in it. Though I get lots of different colors like yellow and pink and blue and you kind of do little arrows and diagrams and whatever. Something else that can be really fun is, I don't know, like acting it out in a way. Because the main thing that makes textbooks boring is that it's this new information so our brains can't fully encapsulate it. At least for me, this is what textbooks are. And so it doesn't really have a ground to settle in yet. It doesn't have connection points. So finding ways to connect it with things that you know exist is a good way to go, like colors. What I tend to do, and I've been doing my whole college life, is grabbing like a sort of treat or like reward food, depending, especially if it's a very dense article or dense reading. I'll assign a certain part of the page, be like, hey, when I get to this point, I get to have a little chip or a little gummy bear and just kind of turn it into a, like, I get to look forward to eating this delicious snack as I read. That might be one way. Well, with that, we wanted to ask our final question and we're going to end it on a fun note. Our final question is, what is the best pen color? If I had to only have one pen color, because I use multiple for most of my notes, it would be the dark blue pen that it comes in. I heard once that that's the best pen to study with. I don't know if that's actually scientifically proven, but it's my, I don't know, one of my favorite colors. It's like sapphire. So I, I would choose dark blue. I love that. I am more of a, the size of the pen. I like 0.38 millimeters for my pens. That's what I go for. And then with like a big highlighter, so it covers the entire word. That's what I go for. And with that, we will wrap up today's episode with a quote from poet T.S. Eliot, Every moment is a fresh beginning. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you later, Wildcats.